did a battle of the wits between two giants reshape the landscape of Ireland and Scotland? And then we take a look at the conspiracy theory that the Black Plague wasn't a natural disease spread by fleas or rats, but was actually a biological attack from aliens, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I am your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. we got a lot of interesting stuff to cover. Do I have any notes? I'm trying to think if I have anything I need to talk about. No, I think we're good. So, let's go ahead and get... <laughs> there was a waste of time. Let's go ahead and get started with the first story here now. So, the first story we're going to talk about, we're going back to the land of fables. Now, this is an interesting one. We covered Taily Poe, and we covered Humpty Dumpty. This one is a little more... It, it's kind of weird because it's... <sighs> okay, so let's just go ahead and jump into it. So, in Ireland, they had a character, a guy named Finn... Macool. Finn Macool. Now, he was basically their version of Thor, their version of King Arthur. He was this mythical hunter, warrior, leader type guy who was he was he was taken fairly seriously in their literature, in their myths. And at some point, someone thought, hmm, let's retcon this guy. Like they took this dude. Imagine if they took Thor throughout Norse mythology, and not only turned him into a comic book character, but turned him into a fat slob and a coward. I don't know who came up with this version of the Finn McCool story, but I had never heard of the guy until I read this, and then I thought that this was it. Looked into it, and he's like a national hero. He is he is their icon in Ireland, or at least he used to be. So someone really didn't like Finn when they came up with this story. So in this version of the story, Finn McCool is not a great warrior or a great leader or a mythical hunter or anything like that. He's a giant, so he has that going for him. He's much bigger. He's huge in this story. So Finn McCool one day is kind of messing around at this place called the Giant's Causeway. So around Scotland and Ireland, there's these hexagonal giant poles. And it's because of magma bubbling up. It looks really weird. It looks man-made. And it's one of the reasons why people think that trees don't exist. Because they don't look... They're hexagons. Like, people go, how often do you see hexagons in nature? You know, honeycombs. You do see them. But Scotland and Ireland both have these these hexagons. And so the story was, is there used to be a bridge leading... From, and there might have been sometime in, uh, in like prehistoric time. But there was a bridge leading from Ireland to Scotland. It was called the Giant's Causeway. The Giants themselves... Place these stones so they can get back and forth. Well, anyway, so Finn McCool's uh, messing around, and he decides to challenge a giant in Scotland. The giant in Scotland, his name is Benadonner, also known as the Red Man. Now, he may be a mythical hero to the Scottish people as well, but I didn't look into that. So, he's sitting there, this great hero of Ireland is a giant in this version. And he starts yelling across the sea, Hey, Benadonner! Benadonner! Let's fight! I'm tired of all this fight stuff that we've been arguing about that Jason didn't research. Come and get me! So, Benadonner, he's just hanging out in Scotland, drinking a couple pints. Well, he's a giant, so he'd be drinking a couple gallons. 
He's like, oh man, okay, let's rumble. Let's do this. So Finn McCool is standing on the Irish side of the bridge, and he starts seeing Ben Donner walk towards him. And first off, just how it normally is, he's so tiny in the distance that Finn McCool's like, oh, I can break this dude. But as Ben Donner gets closer and closer and closer, he realizes that he picked a fight with the wrong giant. I don't know if they've never met before, but he should have figured just the word giant in his name, he's equal size. But this guy was a giant among giants. So Finn McCool gets super scared and runs home. Again, national hero reduced to a Looney Tune character in this legend. He ran all the way back home, and his wife is there. His wife's name is Unag. And he's like, Unag, Unag, this dude's coming. He's totally going to stop me. I picked a fight with the wrong guy. You have to help me. And she's like, yes, dear, I will help you. Um, go hide in the baby's room. Dress, put on this baby uniform. <laughs> baby uniform I just happen to have sitting around. He should be creeped out. We should be creeped out that she has baby clothes that fit her husband. But if you want to know if your marriage is in trouble, ask your wife to disguise you as a baby from a guy who's going to beat you up. If she doesn't leave you on the spot, she's a keeper. So anyways, Finn McCool dresses up like a baby. This <laughs> mythical warrior, great hero, dresses up as a baby and hides. Ben Donner does come into the house, and Unga realizes, hmm, he's all giant. Maybe he, he could satisfy my, my wanting needs. But she puts that aside because she has a duty to her husband. She invites him in, and she goes, oh, yes. Okay, I'm going to stop doing the voice because that's going to get old. She goes, yes. I'll do a little bit lighter. She, she goes, yes. She goes, my husband's gone, but may I show you around our humble abode, our giant house? Giant Ben Donner's like, yeah, sure, I'm going to have to duck to get in all these doors because I'm so much bigger. <laughs> I bet you are. So she starts to play Battle of the Wits with this dude. She goes, hey, look, this is my husband's. I don't think they've met before because otherwise both of them are total idiots. But she goes, look, it's my husband's spear. And she points to a massive redwood sitting in the corner of the house. And he's like, mm, if he's throwing that around, he must be really, really strong. And here is his shield, and it's just, it's just like takes up half the house. Again, why does she happen to have this stuff sitting around? But anyways, the story, I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm pointing out logic in the wrong parts. There's, there's giants existing in this world. He's like, hmm, I, I couldn't lift that shield. And then she goes, hey, are you hungry? You look like a big strapping man. You look like you could hold a giant woman down and please her. He's like, what? And she's like, nothing, nothing. Are you hungry? He's like, yeah, yeah I'm a little hungry. She goes, let me get you what, what Finn McCool normally eats. Now, this is where it becomes basically Tom and Jerry. She gets two slices of bread and puts a hot iron griddle in between the slices of bread and goes, this is what my husband normally eats. He eats this all the time. And when Ben Donner bites into it, all of his teeth fall out. He's like, oh, only a true warrior. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. At that point, if you ever bit into something and your teeth fell out, you're going to check it and be like... Hey, why'd you put metal in this sandwich? Like, I mean, you can call their bluff, dude. You don't have to then go on with the rest of her trials. But he does. Because then she goes, oh, that sandwich, that, that, that's probably not going to fill you up. Let's uh, give you this piece of steak. And it was really a slice of steak with a board of wood with nails sticking out of it, nailed to the bottom of the steak. Really, Benadonner? You're going to eat that. You can obviously see that there's wood attached to it, but he does, because he's an idiot. Breaks out the rest of it. Any teeth he had remaining are broken out. Plus, now he's, like, bleeding from the mouth. 
He's still walking around the house, though. Then she goes, I have to go feed the baby. You want to come see the baby? And he's like, yeah. Now, this is the ultimate bluff, because the baby is her husband. And I'm assuming when she's going to feed him, let's make it, you know, she's, I'm going to breastfeed him. Okay, that might be a little gross. But anyways, they both go into the baby's room. And there is Finn McCool dressed up as a baby. And Ben Donner's like, oh, if the baby's this big, then Finn McCool must be a giant. At no point does he realize that baby is too big to come out of that woman. Absolutely not. There is no way that is possible for a giant woman to give birth to a baby bigger than herself. Never even considers the fact. However, he is in intense pain from having his teeth knocked out. So, she then has one final test for him. She goes, want to play catch? And after everything that's happened, he goes, yeah, yeah, let's go out and play catch. Also, do you have any Vicodin? Because I'm in extreme pain right now. No, no, I don't have that. Let's go play catch. And she goes out there, and there are these massive boulders in their backyard, and she goes, that's what that's what a Finn plays catch with. Go ahead and pick one up and throw it to me. I'll catch it. Ben and Donner's like, uh, okay. They look a little heavy. Are you sure you can catch it? She's like, oh, yeah, I play catch all the time. He then picks the boulder up, holds it above his head to throw it, and drops it on his skull and fractures his neck. So at this point, he's like, there is no way I'm fighting a guy that's this big. And he starts to go back to Scotland. Now, Finn McCool, being the great hero that he is, as he sees Ben Donner walk away, he lets him get a couple miles away, and then he jumps out of the baby's crib and starts, like, trash-talking him, eventually pulling up pieces of, of the earth and throwing it at him. One of the big chunks he pulled out made Loch Nig, which I actually think might be Loch Ness, but I'm not entirely for sure on that. And that piece of earth missed Benadonner, landed in the ocean, became the Isle of Man. And then once Benadonner got across the giant causeway, Finn goes, you know what? I'm never going to make that mistake again. He destroyed the rest of the bridge. So that's the legend. I think it's interesting because, one, it would be the equivalent. I think the best equivalent is if you had the, we have the story of George Washington, who is a real person, but fairly mythical at this point. He's a real person, but he's such a national hero. He's such a symbol. If someone wrote a story where he pretended to be a baby to hide from the King of England, it's just such an emasculating legend. It's such a bizarre story to tell. And in the end, the dude's a total punk because not only does he wait till the guy leaves to then challenge him to a fight again and start throwing stuff at him, he then destroys the ability for that guy to ever come back. I think something else happened in this story. I think. That is, he was in the baby's crib. Unga, he heard from the other room. Unga's like, ooh, my husband can always satisfy me. Here, let me spread my legs. And she really tricked him into wearing a blindfold, and he's just humping a hallway, and he's like, I can't feel anything. There's nothing here. And she's like, oh, are you are you in yet? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, don't, don't say that. That's very insulting. I think that happened as well. I think technically... Finn McCool got cucked by his own house. You got a stranger over there, banging your house, thinking it's your wife. That has to kind of mess you up a little bit. I would destroy a bridge if that sequence of events happened to me as well. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story was actually a request. It was a requested story. It's on the conspiracy iceberg. It's always the best of both worlds when those two things line up. This is from Sage Says on YouTube. Sage Says requested this story. So on the conspiracy iceberg, the phrase is, aliens caused the Black Plague. It's an interesting idea, 
And there's some interesting backing to it. But before we get into that, let's set the stage. It's the mid-1300s. People are just milling about in Europe, doing villager stuff. Walking around, cutting wheat, making bread, eating bread, sleeping. The normal life cycle of a peasant. But the Black Plague didn't just affect peasants, it affected whole population centers. But you had these people going about their normal Dark Ages day, and they look up, like they always do. They're bored, there's no television, so if you want to see something, just look up, go, hey, birds. I wonder if uh, that bird, Ross, is going to get together with that bird, Rachel. I don't know, I guess I'll have to tune in next week to find out. But this day, they look up, there was a long, cigar-shaped object in the sky. What? What? Hey, peasant guy with a peasant name, look. What? Hey, run and tell the town crier. I can already see it. Oh my God, everyone's coming out of their houses and they're watching this object float in the sky. What? A white cloud begins to emit from the back of this cigar-shaped vehicle. Now, no one starts coughing. It's not this immediate, like, oh, look at my body. I have black plague. It's just a mist. Ship just floats on by. They go to their religious leaders. They go to their town officials. What was that? It must be a sign from God. Well, yeah, what about the the mist that came out of the back? That, it's all signs from God. Don't question any of it. And in that area, a week or two later, people begin to suffer. The bubonic plague. The bubonic plague, I'll go over it super briefly because I think most people are aware of it. But nor the, what we believe is that the plague came from Asia to Europe. People didn't have any real immunity to it. It came over either with rats or new evidence is saying it came over with fleas and lice. But it decimated, more than decimated, the European population. Generally, it's accepted that 30 to 60% of Europeans' population was killed off at this time, and it wasn't one particular thing. And that's why some people lean towards the UFO thing. It wasn't like you had the plague and then it was over with. You know, Ebola will pop up, it seems like, every year, but the plague would kill a bunch of people and then lay dormant for five to ten years. They'd have no problem with it, and then it would pop up again and wipe out another 100, 200,000 people. This went on for about 400 years. It was quite the sight to bleed. Huh? Get it? So the point is, is that this wasn't like it was a virus that would come and go. What's interesting, some of the things they can't really figure out about the bubonic plague. So you have the bubonic plague, which is generally caused by the fleas and the lice and the rats. And you get that and you get the bulbous, you get the big black bumps on your body. And it's super painful and it has a pretty high kill rate. But it's not super transmissible between humans. You have to get bit by something and then something else bites you. Pneumonic plague, which also was around the same time, was different. That would cause you to throw up blood and you could give it to other people. So, And they say most people who died during that time period, technically the Black Plague is a catch-all term. The bubonic plague was one part, a different disease. But if you had the, pneum- the pneumatic plague... Not pneumatic like pistons, but you know what I mean? Like pneumonia version of the plague. You were dead and everyone around you was dead as well. This plague is still around, this version of the plague, the breathable one. But 
it tends to strike in cold weather because people are trapped in houses together or, you know, small contained areas, and they're breathing it in. What was weird about what was going on in the Middle Ages was that the pneumatic plague, I'm just going to use a catch-all term plague because I'm pretty sure I'm not pronouncing that word right, but the plague, instead of being passed around in cold weather in contained conditions, the plagues were striking during warm periods, spring and summer. And you would have areas that were completely isolated, for the most part, from other centers, city centers, and they were getting it. So you'd have places where they weren't interacting with nearby villages, and they were just getting wiped out during the summer. And so scientists even now, they're like, we don't know what the mechanism was for everything that was going on. One, a lot of it was shoddy record keeping. The people keeping records were dying. Plus, you know, they weren't writing anything down. Everything was wood carving. You know how long it takes to carve wood as, as you're throwing up blood? It didn't act like a normal disease. And that's where the conspiracy theory started that aliens caused the Black Plague. The scenario that I gave you with the cigar-shaped UFOs, that was put forth by an author named uh, John Franco, or Juan Franco. No, it's John. I don't know. It's spelled with a G. So John Franco Degli Esposti. Esposti. Sorry. Sorry, sir. I know that's... I didn't even come close, but... He's a UFOologist and an author. He's written several books about UFOs. Now, his that was his... He said that in... Th- between 1347 and 1350, these cigar-shaped crafts were spotted over the skies in Europe and released the mist onto these people. I haven't been able to find any verification of that outside of his work, and that is a secondhand quote because someone else was quoting him. But here's the thing. You can find stuff about aliens caused the Black Plague in Italian. I couldn't find, and I mean, I'm sure if I kept looking, I could probably find English versions of this stuff. But the top search results are going to be in Italian. Very, very, very well documented, I guess, sourced materials, but it's all in Italian. So I was running through a translator, so there's a little bit of translation issue. But I don't know if this is just an Italian conspiracy theory, if it hasn't really caught on in America. But John Franco, whatever, how do you pronounce his name? He's written tons of books about this. They're all in Italian. And I found multiple websites that are in Italian focusing specifically on aliens and the Black Plague and aliens in the Middle Ages. So it was weird not to find that stuff in English, really. But I guess it is a more obscure conspiracy theory. That's why it's on the conspiracy theory iceberg. So these are the reasons why it may make sense. The plague would pop up in areas that it shouldn't have, in times that it shouldn't have, and it ended abruptly. So you'd have a bunch of people get it and start dying, and then it would stop. And then it would be another five, ten years, and then it would happen again. Obviously, the big question is, what would be the purpose of aliens doing this? They have the ability to drop plagues on us from their ships. Why would they just do it for, you know, a couple years? Kill It was 400 years and they did kill off, like, kill off like 40 million people. But I mean, like, why wasn't it constant? Why was it just focused in Europe? Why weren't they doing it worldwide if they were trying to do some sort of depopulation thing? That would be the question. Could it be a test? It could be an accident where the ships don't mean to be leaking this exhaust, this chemical. But those are questions that I think we can't answer right now. Why? Why would they be doing it? Let's assume for a second that they did do it. 
And what's interesting is, again, going back to these Italian sources, there are tons of sightings, recorded sightings, of UFO objects in earlier, like 600 AD forward. And of course you go, well, Jason, yeah, there's that book in the Bible that talks about Ezekiel. I'm talking about like UFO sightings that resulted in people getting just mashed. Because yeah, everyone can look up and see a UFO. That's kind of lost its luster. Let's look at the stories where it had pretty grim consequences for the people involved. And again, this was a, this I was translating this from Italian, so I don't have some of the information got lost, and that's my excuse. I did try verifying some of this even more. In 1548, in a place called Thuringia, there was a globe of flame that appeared in the sky. So you're thinking, oh, maybe it's a comet. A lot of this stuff you'd think was like comets or asteroids and stuff like that, or meteorites, but the people in this area called Thuringia, a globe of flame goes, meteorite, right? Just entering the orbit, blows up. Coagulated blood shoots everywhere. They said they were covered in red goo that resembled coagulated blood, which remind, which makes me think of the Kentucky meat storm story. Like, is it something coming from, is it some sort of event? I, either it is a natural event like a meteorite spraying blood everywhere, or it's a UFO type of thing. And it's so funny because where I got that from, the article said, a globe of flame seemed to explode on Thuringia in 1548, dropping a substance similar to coagulated blood in the most total dismay of the people. Well, no, duh. No one's going to want to be like, oh, you know what I really need today? I need to be covered in blood. Oh, thank you. Like, of course they're dismayed. Their clothes are ruined. And they only had one set of clothes. They're peasants. So we have the coagulated blood fallen on everybody. Here's another event, and this was 8th century Europe. They couldn't get a specific place for this incident off of this website, but... So this story is 8th century Europe, this next one we're going to cover, and it's... I couldn't get more specific than that. I think a lot of it was translation errors, but 8th century... and my incompetence, but 8th century Europe. People started reporting these creatures that controlled the skies in their ships. They called them the Silphi, and they saw them everywhere, so much that they gave them a name. Like, it wasn't just like, what's that? They're like, oh, no, no, that's the Sylphie. They're here every week. They're usually coming to town to buy milk. But no, they would see these vehicles fly overhead. Let me read you this quote. Realizing the alarm thrown between the population and the hostility aroused, the air beings remained so upset that they landed with their largest vessel, took on board some women and some men to instruct them. When, however, those women and men returned to Earth, they were considered demonic beings who came to spread poison on the crops, then promptly captured and executed after the horrible tortures provided for those who practiced diabolical arts. The number of unfortunates put to death was very high. Uselessly, these innocents tried to save themselves by saying that they belonged to the same nation and had been abducted briefly by extraordinary men who had shown them great and wonderful things. Here you have a story of these possibly alien beings seeing that the population is scared of them. So they abduct a set of men and women and bring them on board and teach them their ways. And then when they're dropped back off, they're simply tortured and executed as witches. Is that story true? I I could only find the reference in this 
on this one single website. This very, very well. I mean, it's just at this Italian website just citing after citing after citing after citing, and it's possible that it's all made up. But why isn't this getting more coverage? That's a fascinating story. But even more fascinating than this, and bringing us back around to the plague. Did you ever know where the Grim Reaper comes from? I always heard different stories that it was just like a artist rendition or it was like an old myth or something like that. And I had to go back and research it for this. Because one of the theories is that around the time of the plague, these creatures begin to be sighted in the countryside. Long black cloaks and sickles. The it's almost a footnote. I mean, it's almost a a throwaway in this article I read. It says some people compare those creatures to the modern day men in black, and wherever they were sighted, animals would die mysteriously. And then it moved on to the next event. And I thought, okay, now I don't believe that. I went and I looked up when was the Grim Reaper. Where's the Grim Reaper from? The idea of the Grim Reaper did develop in the 14th century. And there's no concrete explanation to how or when it came up. They, the article then started going into, well, a lot of people were dying during the bubonic plague, and then people started to sketch this picture of this skeletal creature in this robe with a sickle. So we think it was just a personification of the horrible deaths that's going on. But is it possible that those old drawings you see of the Grim Reaper are actually the first drawings of aliens? It would be advantageous for an alien to come down if they're going to be on Earth to disguise themselves. And if you're walking through a field in old-time Europe, having a cloak and a sickle would make sense. Now, being super spooky skeleton doesn't. I think the weirdest thing about aliens cause the Black Plague is one of those conspiracy theories that actually has more meat behind it than I thought it would. Tons of sightings of these vessels. That they have these weird timing where we have an event. And there's more more stuff that you can look at where there was a where there was an event and then a plague. That was cited a few times. The cigar shaped with the mist coming out, I only found once, but I found other times where UFO events were linked to plague outbreaks. It's possible. I honestly think though the Grim Reaper part is creepier. That there were reports of these creatures that looked like Grim Reapers back then, and then people started drawing pictures of the Grim Reaper or describing the Grim Reaper, and it was so far back and so unconnected between the sightings of the black-clad creatures walking through the fields and today that it's just become myth. That it's just become, oh, it's just someone was personifying death. When back then they saw these creatures and they're like, run now. Everything in this area is going to die. All those cows that they're walking by is going to die. Let's get out of here. That being around that thing is death. Because here's the thing. Here's really the thing. The Grim Reaper is a terrifying image. It's the image of mortality and fragileness of the human body and just decay and death. And to think those things are real is terrifying. But what's even worse? If I got abducted by aliens and I'm on a ship and there are these gray aliens with their instruments probing me, I'm not going to have a good day. But if I get abducted onto a ship where it's so dark inside I can barely see anything, I can only tell that I'm strapped down to a table, and I know I'm in some sort of alien environment, but I can't make out a single detail, except for the white skeleton face moving closer to me, 
and a glint of its sickle as it touches my skin. I'll take gray aliens any day over that. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.